Welcome to the Innovation Podcast Series, hosted by me, Martin Lucas, with our subject matter expert and innovation catalyst, Andrew Vorster. Andrew delivers keynote talks all around the world, has worked for FTSE companies, and we will be mining the gold nuggets from his brain. Andrew, metrics of success is something I love talking about. Like, how do we actually understand it? Like, do we have too many targets? Do we not have enough targets? How do we create the functions that sit within it? I mean, at the end of the day, here's the opening question. How do you measure innovation? Wow, that's the million dollar question. And there is no single answer. So this is genuinely going to be a, a discussion between us because a lot of what I have to say is very much linked to your area of expertise in human behavior. Because it's not so much uh, the how isn't what's the one metric because let me get that clear there isn't one metric to measure the entire innovation process there are multiple different metrics depending on the kind of behavior that you're trying to encourage and the outcome that you're aiming for okay so when i uh, i was responsible for an innovation R&D department and when I first set it up it was Greenfield it was the first time it had been set up in this organization and I sat down with my direct line manager a senior vice president and and we were discussing he, he turned around he went you know this is a big investment that I've I've got agreed with the board to set up this research and development competency to drive innovation and and they immediately wanted to know what's the ROI. So I'm going to give you a target. I want to make sure that you guys are constantly innovating. I want 10 new ideas per month. And I went, easy, no problem. I'll have a brainstorming session with my guys. We'll give you 200 ideas in one shot and, and there's our year's work done. We've hit our target. And he went, well, that's not going to work. And I went, well, why not? So he goes, well, well, what's the benefit of the ideas? I said, well, I don't know. You just told me you wanted to measure me on ideas. So right. ideas is what you'll get. So I went, no, 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 no. They need to be good ideas. So I said, okay, define for me what a good idea is. And he went, well, it's got to generate some revenue. I said, how much? So I went, well, I don't know. It depends on how much we put in. I said, right. So if you want to quantify it, Quantify that for me. Do you want a revenue increase of 20% uh, over the investment that you put in? And also, how are we going to measure that revenue increase? Because I'll tell you what will happen. We'll come up with a new product, idea, concept, service, mm -hmm. and then sales and marketing will claim that that's only incrementally increased their revenue, which they would have increased anyway because of this other thing that happened. So I said, it's rather like marketing. You can never really figure out which part of your marketing is responsible for which part of your increases in sales. That's one of the all-time questions that people try. And it's the same thing when you try and measure innovation purely on revenue. So we went round and round and round with, the, and I said, look, I'll tell you what, why, why, why did you go into the board and get this, this thing approved? What, what was motivating you? And he said, well, 
I'll tell you what, we as an organization are not perceived by the industry to be very innovative. And we want to increase our profile across the industry. And we want our customers to perceive us as being an innovative organization. That's why I put my neck on the line and said, we need a new R&D department to drive innovation. I went, right, now we're getting closer. So if you want us to be perceived as a more innovative organization, what you need to measure is whether or not that perception is increasing or decreasing. Like, for example, in a customer satisfaction survey. And to be perfectly honest, if that's what your intention is, we actually don't really need to do very much innovation. We need to give the appearance of doing lots of innovation and being innovative and being thought leaders in the space of innovation, driving innovation across other companies. We don't necessarily have to do the do by generating loads of products in order to shift that perception. If we can show people how to become more innovative and inspire them to become more innovative, their perception will change. So we finally agreed that my department's metric would be the result of a new question that was included on our twice a year customer satisfaction survey. And the scores for that one single question would determine whether or not we were doing our job. It wasn't going to be measured anymore on number of ideas or uh, um, the revenue being generated or anything because we had drilled down to the why. That's the key thing. And I believe too many people try and measure the wrong damn thing. And as a result, they get the wrong kind of results from their innovation program because they become fixated around these quantifiable things because they understand numbers. What's your thoughts in terms of motivating people to do the, the thing that you're trying to do? I think it's, it's a really interesting one. I mean, off camera, we've, we've had this kind of discussion, um, not this one, but one that just helps me as ever. I'm always on a hunt to understand where my bias is, is poisoning my mind, is influencing me beyond um, seeing things in, from a neutral point of view. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so for the fact that I spent most of my career in, in revenue solutions or revenue generation, sales, marketing, consulting, psychology, all this kind of different stuff, right, is that I often think about, well, what's the revenue gain of doing innovation? And that right there is exactly the problem that you're identifying because when you walk through that whole scenario, what you're actually identifying is the type of why, the type of why that people want to focus on. However, I think that people are really stuck on what. Because to answer your question, the what is number of ideas. The what is revenue generation. And it's not that. That's not what people are trying necessarily to do. It could be combinations of that. And I think that's what's key. An agile business would have combinations because it would depend what they're trying to resolve. Like to use your example, if it's about customer satisfaction or customer perception, then that can filter into all kinds of different ways. And if it filters into lots of different parts of the organization, then conversely, you would need to go out to people and drive their kind of purpose and understanding and permission to start giving you things that would help you accomplish that goal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
when it when it comes to um, the innovation maturity of an organization sure that's when i think there are some of these quantifiable metrics that do make sense so for example if you've never run a formal innovation process in your organization and you decide that it's a good idea for a whole raft of reasons you have your why but you're at starting point zero and the first thing that you need apart from as we've discussed before uh, the inspiration uh, the the ingredients in the form of tips and and things like that apart from that the very next thing that you need is ideas and input you know problems to solve and and concepts to test out uh, or ideas put forward and at that stage it is important to measure the number of ideas because that will give you an indication of the engagement of the community that you're trying to get those ideas from so if you really really early in rolling out something you might say we will judge the success of our our innovation outreach by seeing the number of people maybe the number of employees that engage because of one person generates 100 ideas is that better or worse than 100 people all giving you one idea well decide that if your aim your why is to get your entire organization sparked up then for that part of the process measure ideas and if you're a really mature organization and you're justifying to your shareholders that you're going to plug another 10 million dollars into your innovation program over the next year and they won't see immediate benefits the year after that because a lot of innovation takes years to materialize again go back to the pharmaceutical industry sometimes they can do r d for 10 years before they actually start seeing the income coming in but if you want to justify that on a quantifiable method then maybe if you're a very mature organization the increase in sales and and the direct uh, links do make sense but there is no one answer for any of this it depends is the only one answer okay it's interesting uh, it's, uh, on many levels one of the things that i always look at is what incentivizes people right because there's a huge part in any culture any society any business any group of people any team like you can see i'm disseminating it down but the same thing happens and that's the psychology of permission like if you don't have permission to do something and you don't see that somebody else has done it and that that is being celebrated then initiatives like this would fail. Like, in your view, what's some of the good incentives that you've seen businesses do and what's some of the less positive ones? So I've seen a, a lot of different ways that people have approached this and, and I have my own personal opinion and they have their opinions on whether or not it works. One of the most common incentives is simply financial reward. So companies will set up a challenge around a known problem or a widely known problem it might be something to do with an experience uh, um, generally electric at the moment are on this this massive mission to reduce a couple of billion dollars of cost out of their organization to make it become more efficient so they've set up multiple innovation challenges to solicit ideas from staff now, I don't know whether they do it this way, but 
a number of other companies have said to the staff, um, we're going to run like a Dragon's Den style, you know, Angel's Den kind of a style competition. And we're going to take the top three ideas that come through as judged by our board. And we're going to award the teams that worked on that collaboratively. Can't be one person because they're trying to, to instill collaboration and idea of community and people working together. So we will award the team, the winning team, $10,000 to share, the second team $5,000, and the team after that $2,000. I personally don't believe that straight up financial rewards incentivizes most people. And, and if you're going to go down to ethnographics and things like that, there is a, a diminishing number of people who are incentivized purely on a financial basis nowadays. The one that I really favor is when people run a similar kind of a challenge like that to say we're going to solicit and we're going to get ideas. But the ideas that we decide to progress, we will give you as the person or team who submitted that idea, the opportunity to be seconded through our acceleration process that experiments with that idea. And our acceleration process is four months long, six months long, however much it is, this usually happens in a mature organization where they've got an acceleration process and they, they've got a defined way of handling ideas. And they say to people, we give you the option. If you don't want to be seconded, if you want to let somebody else go and take it, then, then that's up to you. But most of the people that give the very best ideas become emotionally attached to them and they want to see it. They want to see, will it pass? Will it fail? What will the learning be gone? And that really incentivizes them. And then the big kicker is, and if this idea goes all the way through to production, you will probably have the opportunity to change your role within the business and maybe even head up a new competency or a new product line. That kind of a thing to me is the most rewarding and most successful way of incentivizing employees. I love that. So a couple of comments like continuing the discussion as you framed it at the start, right? Is that one of the biggest problems that I come across for any kind of culture change, any kind of transformation, whether I'm doing analysis or working on a live project is that I think of an organization like one entity, like a person. And often what you find with that individual, that company, is that they don't have the self-awareness of what people think about them. Employees don't like the organization that they work in because they don't feel that they're cared for, they don't feel that they're listened to, and they feel that there's not enough change going on or there's too much change or combinations of that. You're familiar with these kinds of things, right? Very much so. Right, so the larger the organization, and you talked about emotionally attached to something, is that the reason, and you can examine this, if you go and look at the values of, take, take five enterprise organizations, so we're talking about some of the world's largest companies, you will see negative context in their values. Um, they often put care in because people don't feel that they care about them, and that's often customer care, but they don't think about it based on employee engagement. My point about this is that, to get emotionally attached to something, you have to understand the why of your people, which is just continuing to build on your why component. I mean, I, I love the, the idea of asking the question why about lots of different things anyway. And I guess we're in a little bit of Simon Sinek world, but I'm also using the why as I always do about behaviors. 
like if you can understand why people don't generate ideas at the moment, because it's not just as simple as as people implementing funnels, as you've talked about. It's not just as simple as people implementing this dragon's den and stuff like that. Like the just by the way, just FYI, I hate that as an idea. I just don't like it because I feel that it diminishes and only talks to a certain group, probably a certain type of millennial. It's somebody's idea that they've had over lunch with somebody and haven't really thought it through. I mean, at the end of the day, it needs to be a holistic experience, right? Does it not to get the most out of people? A hundred percent. Couldn't agree with you more. And, and interesting that you mentioned the Simon Sinek. I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek and I really do. I'm like a kid and I ask why, why, why all the time in order to surface what's the real problem? What's the real thing you're trying to do? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's a great holistic experience of this entire episode, really. So as a way to end, before we talk about what the next episode is going to be, what advice would you give to anybody that's listening right now? Like, how would they start this in terms of measuring innovation? It's, it's exactly as we've just said. It's understand the why. Understand why you want to even get started in innovation in the first place. What's your motivation? And, and that doesn't have to be at an entire company level. It could be at your team level. It could be at you personally. Why do I want to be more innovative? What am I looking to gain out of this? What outcome do I expect? What am I hoping to achieve? And then through that, the things that you need to measure, we, we, we're all familiar with, you don't get results unless you measure something. If I'm trying to get fitter and I'm measuring myself by my body mass index, I know I have to consistently measure and then figure out what the things are that's making it get worse or better. Do more of the better, do less of the worse. But if I'm not measuring, I'll never know whether anything that I'm doing is driving the right outcome. So measurement of your activities in innovation is very important, but measuring the right thing is what will stimulate the right behavior. So if you understand your why, the correct measurements for your stage of the process and the outcomes that you are trying to drive will become obvious. Don't just blindly implement something that you saw on the web, read in a book or, or watched on YouTube. Figure it out for yourself. Find your why. Yeah, it's interesting. Process needs personalized, right? That's kind of where we're going with it. I love that. Okay. In terms of the next episode, what are you going to be giving us? What is we going to be the talking about? The next episode is full of fear. So be afraid. Very afraid. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, Andrew. You can follow the entire series by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or visit andrewvorster.com. That's andrewvorster.com.